Episode three. Last week we sat down with our good pal Brett, who has been uh, streaming on Twitch lately. He talked about how he's going to be building up content and kind of doing his thing, how he wants to build his community moving forward. This week we're going to kind of just talk about how we kind of got into music, where we've been with music, where we are now. Um, uh, kind of how we got to this point. Yeah, it's me, Greg, and Darren here. We are North of 64. What it do. What it do, baby. Um, yeah, let's just let's just dive right in. Thank you, first of all, anyone who's listened to the first two episodes we've done of this. Um, we've got more support on this than I actually thought we would. Yeah, man. It's, it's really cool, it's actually. It's cool. I, wasn't, I don't think we were really expecting anything. We just kind of want to sit down and talk. Originally, yeah. we weren't even sure if this would be a podcast. No, we were going to for sure do the first one. Yeah, the it's first like one. like a we year wanted, in review kind Yeah, of we thing. wanted to reflect on our year, but now it's like... This is, this is fun. We just yeah. hit record and we talk like we normally do. Yeah, so thank y'all for whoever listened to this. Yeah, thanks Whoever's for listening currently. Yeah, thanks for whoever's listening right now, whoever listened to the first two episodes. And thank you, most importantly, to anyone who has ever supported our music um, in any way, uh, who's ever bought merch, who's ever shared our songs, anything. We appreciate y'all, and we're glad that you're riding with us and even listening to this right now. Yeah, we hope it's cool to get like a bit of insight into our work and what we do. Right. Yeah, yeah, hopefully you can pick something up from it, or, I mean... You're most likely just one of our friends, so you just kind yeah. of listen to your pal's chat. So. so you know you won't pick up anything from Greg. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, we out here, though, yeah. still. I offer also very little, Yeah, but this might be funny. Maybe. I'm not even counting on that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> really not. But yeah, that's, let's dive in. Let's just chat. Darren, where, where, did, yeah. where did everything start for you musically? How did, it all, how did you get to where you are now musically? So I started as a drummer. When I was like, uh, I want to say I was around like seven, eight years old, I heard um, a Blink-182 record, and I told my dad randomly, I want to do what the guy in the record's doing, I want to play drums. And so he bought me a kit, and I took lessons with um, a good friend of mine who passed away about 12 years ago now, his name was John Hughes. Uh, he taught me a lot, like a lot, just uh, not even just about drums, just about like music in general, and even just kind of like growing up around him. Uh, he was a very, very like dear friend of mine. Yeah. But uh, I played in band since I was like, I don't know, like 12, 13. And it was actually, we were just talking about it a minute ago. It was the 13 year anniversary yesterday of my first ever gig. It's crazy. You old fart, man. So I got, crazy. I got the notification yesterday that I played. It was a church in Pefferlaw, conveniently where my sister-in-law ended up getting married years later. Megan. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So yesterday I got the thing. First gig tonight at church, come play. Like, anyone I know is going to fucking be there. <laughs> Did yeah, anyone show up? Was it a good turn? No, it was a youth night at Pefferlaw <laughs> Church. It was bumping, right? Sold out? Yeah, it was gigantic. <laughs> and then today, I got the follow-up notification, first gig was shit with a sad face. Yeah. And I remember we went into it, I think they told us we had like 10 minutes, and we wrote one song, and we were going to cover something. I was talking to my dad about say I don't remember what it was. But we played the first, like, four bars of the first song, and then Trevor, our singer, forgot all the words. So 
back then it was like we don't know how to like cover for each other. We're like 15 years old. So we kind of just played the same riff over and over again for like two and a half minutes. Yeah. And then awkwardly stopped. <laughs> and no one really clapped. They didn't know we were done. Oh, man. That's the most like uncomfortable <laughs> feeling when you're on stage. Like when like, oh, no, like y'all can clap. So even prior to that, when I was, I had just started playing drums and it was like three months in and I played a talent show at uh, our whole cram. Yeah. And I, I had the bright idea. I was like, I'm not going to play any songs and I'm not going to like do it. I was going to play like the two beats I know. And I forgot both of them immediately. Bro. <laughs> I was like 11 years oh, old. Oh, that's, that sucks. Oh, it's so awkward. And I just kind of hit the drums for like 30 seconds. And then, again, like no one really knew for the best. to clap. From there, it's all up from here, I promise. <laughs> so just to touch on that story about you at R.L. Graham, when I was at um, Jersey Public School, um, we it wasn't a talent show. We were just There was an assembly. And... Me, my friend um, Liam Withers, shout out Liam Withers, and our principal at the time. Oh, I so that. our principal, like, <laughs> he organized this thing where we were gonna play this song, and I forget what song it was, but we did like this parody of a song, and instead of like the hook of that song, we sang Jersey School, you know you're <laughs> so cool. So that was the hook of the song, and I don't even know, I think the key was like E minor or something like that. Whatever song, I think it was like Bad to the Bone or something. But nice, whatever song classic. it was, the only guitar solo I knew was the Just to Get High solo by Nickelback. <laughs> and I didn't know any scales or anything like that. So the principal was like, yeah, Greg, like, you can play a solo here. And I think like Liam was playing drums. I was playing guitar. I was like, bet, let's get it. I can play Just to Get High in front of everyone. And it worked too, right? It was Com- kick-ass. Completely off-key, but it shredded. And I got like a standing <laughs> applause from it. It's not standing. Right. People clapped yeah. by, while sitting. But yeah. it, was fu- it was cool, man. It was... Um, Anyways, yeah, not knowing what you're doing while you're in front of people, and you just make it happen. These early gigs are fun to look back on in hindsight, because like yeah. you, you, we knew so little, but the shit was so fun. Yeah, that, like, it was you didn't, awesome. Like man. I remember being stoked that we were playing this random. I think the church was, it was on like a Wednesday night or something too. It was literally like like a Christian youth night or something, yeah. and I have no fucking idea why they wanted us to play. I think, I think our singer, like his parents, were part of the church. And he told them we were going to play, like, some, like, gospel shit. Nice. Some, like, church songs. I'm sure you did that. Our guitarist, who will go unnamed. <laughs> Piece of shit. Uh, he showed up with, he had, like, a Firebird. Like, one of the, like yeah, those things shred. Yeah. And I was playing his old, like, three-piece, like, really old no-name drum kit. Yeah. Where the snare was so bad that we put a blanket on top of it. Just yeah, so right. the snares wouldn't rumble. Bro, that's like, that was what was so cool about making music back, like, whether it's early high school or even like late elementary school. Like, when we first started making music, it's like you really didn't care about the gear you had or like how you looked or well, anything. And you, like you that. had like no means really of getting. Well, you couldn't afford the gear. So you just yeah. had what you had and you used it. And like, both of us, like, we didn't grow up like, like poor, but we weren't exactly privileged, right? No, like, I couldn't just yeah. go to my dad and be like, oh, I want this new. Awesome fucking drum kit. Yeah, it wasn't I like, like that. Like, whatever, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it, we both always kind of been like, when you want something, you had to kind of pay for it. You save up. Like, that's how I got... I was I was very grateful my first... So, I mean, I had um, a hand-me-down guitar from my cousin, who I haven't spoken to in, like since I got the guitar, I think. Mm. But I got some, like, hand-me-down... It was a Fender, um, like a Strat. Uh, or no, no, it wasn't. It was an Ibanez Strat body. Nice. Yeah. So I got that. Much different <laughs> from a Fender. So I got that, and then... 
the first guitar I really wanted because I was a metal head and I was really into metal and hardcore music <laughs> was my Schecter, which I'm staring at right now. Yeah. So it was whatever, however much it was, my birthday was coming up. So my parents made a deal like they'll pay for half of it, but I had to come up with the other half. And that was my birthday yeah. present. So it's, yeah, it wasn't like all this gear was disposable. Like I was working at Tim Hortons at the time. I saved the money to fucking get that. Even when I got like my first real kit, like, so I had like this just kind of like junker learner drum kit, right? Mm-hmm. With these like terrible symbols that just died when you hit them but when my dad saw that i was like i guess taking it more seriously he bought me that pearl kit that i still have now yeah and i remember so like one of my biggest influences especially when i was younger was travis barker yeah. right who when you watch him play he just beats the piss oh, out yeah. of everything right yeah he slams the drums so the way i learned to hit a crash symbol was you just smash the hell out of it <laughs> and when he actually bought me like these new like Zildjian symbols and he sees me just like fucking hammer fisting them, <laughs> he was so upset. He wasn't into it. And then when the first time, so to continue on, we, um, I ended up starting another band with Brett, who we had on last week. And again, our friend Trevor, it was like a pop punk band and we'd kind of played like these little like, uh, like Battle of the Bands things in Toronto, Supernova shows they were called. Yeah. Where you'd sell tickets and then they'd take money from kids. Yeah. And the other one was a guy named Dante. Really who cool ran. system. It was awesome, right? Especially because <laughs> we were like 15. Yeah, really cool system. Glad that they still do that too. Um, the other guy was Dante from Hotbox Promotions. Hotbox Promotions. With three X's. Yeah. Which it didn't dawn on me until I was much older. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's And when, if you met the guy, it was very obvious. Oh, False Hope like, had like a show like that yeah. in Oshawa specifically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I remember very vividly. But, so like we're, and it was the first show we played, it was at the old, uh, it was called the Cathedral down in Toronto. And obviously like, you're young and you're excited, so you get on stage and I'm just fucking hammering the cymbals, right? Oh yeah. And I remember it's halfway through, up. all of a sudden a little shard of metal flies at me and my cymbal snapped. Like it broke. Oh, damn. Right? And my dad, I were loading up after the show, and my dad told me, he goes, You really broke that fucking symbol. You know how much that costs? <laughs> That's a cool thing, though, <laughs> like, especially when you're playing like um, metal or like a grungy style of music. It's like cracked symbols or like broken symbols are kind of all right. Dude, I rolled with that crash for a really long time. It works, man. Yeah, the necessity of beaks, it was sick. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's sick, man. No, I kind of, uh, so we played in that band for, I want to say two, three years. For kids, like, we actually played, like, a lot of shows. Yeah. Like, we, uh, none of them were very good, and none of them really had a draw, but it was good experience just, like, playing in front gigging, of people. You were gigging, yeah, local gigging. And from there, our buddy Trevor, who was a singer, he moved away to Whitby, which, when you don't really drive, that's a that's really a, that's far That's a mission, drive. yeah. Like, we grew up in uh, Sutton, where, if anyone who's listening, they obviously know where that is. Yeah. Right? Well, even, like, 40 minutes to an hour when you're younger and, like, in a band. Dude, it was like, insurmountable. It like, yeah, a fucking mission. So, that we go into high school, and we're all starting to kind of get into, like, a bit, like, heavier music kind of thing. Like, a little more, not hardcore, but, like, metalcore shit. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of Escape the Fate, early architect stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's when Brett and I started uh, the Scars at the time conveniently where i met you yeah because i was a fanboy scab yeah i was a i was a fellow scab me and mitch cochran shout out mitch cochran that was the coolest part we had a we were determined to have fans and they were known as scabs once they became fans they were obviously our honorary scabs and they held on even when we changed our name yeah bro (laughs) yeah from the ground up yeah so i don't have it anymore i should have kept it because it's probably worth millions now but I had the These Scars shirt, 
that was it was a totally a full black shirt, but all the writing was in white. Like it said, these scars with some weird design on it. So I had you, Brett, Rob, Devin, uh, Brendan, everyone in these scars Brandon. signed the shirt. And Dave Venning, shout out Dave Venning, also signed the shirt. It's cool thinking back because we were like such fucking degenerates. The last These Scars show we played was at Wolford Hall. Which is already awesome. I still can't believe they ever let us even in that building. Yeah. Let alone fucking throw it. cool. Exalt played at Wilfred Hall, Dude, too. Dude, we had Exalt there. We had a bunch of really cool bands. That was a cool show, actually. This, like, middle of nowhere spot. Yeah. The place was, like, 50 bucks a day. It was awesome. Yeah. But the last thing, Scarsh, when we were going to change our name, we, um, we had, like, 20, 30 shirts left. And Rob and I traded them for cigarettes. My God. And we made... A lot of cigarettes, and the really cool part was that Brett and Devin didn't smoke, so so we they kept... got nothing. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Devin's parents paid for the shirts. You hurting units? Because <laughs> we had absolutely no way of paying for them. My God, you hurt. Sorry, units. Laura and uh, <laughs> and Doug, not <laughs> That's Brad. Brutal. Yeah. So that was kind of, it's kind of cool to think about though, because if it wasn't for like that band, a we wouldn't have done False Hope, and we probably wouldn't have met. Yeah, that's where kind of yeah. that's where false hope kind of started from there because I remember yeah. like that's kind of where our stories can link up. Yeah, so so for right. me, where music kind of started um, for me in terms of like actually being in bands and, and shit like that. I when I was in grade nine, I think I was grade nine or ten. I tried starting a few different projects and tried being a part of a few different projects, like metalcore projects. Mm. There was a couple with Mitch Cochran. Shout out Mitch. What was that first one called? I remember they had a name. There's a yeah. couple. I don't know. One was like to seize the distress. That was it. Like that. That's oh it. my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. That was one of them. Nothing happened. I think we were yeah. Oh yeah, we released a song for sure. We for sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, yes, yeah, so we definitely released a song there. And nothing happened though. We didn't play any shows or anything like that. And then um Yeah, we just kept trying and trying, and then eventually we started False Hope, which the original lineup was nothing like how it ended. Like it was <laughs> So I was playing guitar. I think Mitch was doing vocals. For sure. We had a drummer and you were we we hit you up to be like, "Yo, like do you want to come play second guitar or bass?" No. So we were at a show. I think it was at the Scar show or from the Ground Up show or whatever the fuck. Yeah. At the jam spot. And I was talking to Mitch like near the front of the stage and he brought up that he was starting a band. And from the Ground Up has like we, it's the same thing with False Hope. We didn't break up, but it was just like... It wasn't, Stop playing shows. Stop making yeah, music. Yeah. It was like, this was going to be our last thing for a long time, and I didn't know what I was doing and whatever. So I jokingly remarked to Mitch, do you need anyone to do anything? Like, I'll like, play something. Yeah. He's like, fuck, do we need a bassist, actually? Is that how that started? Straight up. Holy yeah. shit. I thought like, I messaged you or something. No, it was just a straight up off-the-cuff remark. I was kidding. Because especially wow. like... It's less weird now, but at the time... Yeah, I'm we like, were like 15-year-olds. Yeah, I'm like a 21-year-old, you're all like 15. <laughs> and I'm like, fucking, yo, let me in your, your band, kids. Mm. I end up doing this again later in my life, too, which we won't really get into. Oh, we can get into but, it. It's okay. But <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jacob. Oh, but, shit, Zavo. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been looking off the cover, Mark, and then it slowly turned into you and I with a hostile takeover. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of brutal, actually. Sorry, bitch. I think it worked out, though. Mitch was yeah. sick, though. He was sick. It just, everything was just, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it got to the point where, like, we did a few, like, a couple practices. The first one in Sid's basement where he was, like, the nicest kid. He made me pizza when I came over. You were an asshole. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. I remember what happened. You came over and we were playing NHL. Yeah. And you walked in and it was like my first time like actually like about to hang out with you too. We had talked at shows and we had a couple like... It was like, like a what's up, how are you? And a couple time. like awkward encounters at McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Hella <laughs> awkward encounters at McDonald's. But no, you walked in and... Um, I forget what he said. You're like, yo, you, where do you want me to seven? I was like, don't you see that we're busy? Yeah. And then literally just didn't talk to you. It was really cool, dude. The very first thing you said was, it's really cool that you're late. Yeah. Well, maybe you should have been on time. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> and but I yeah, just didn't remember like, thinking. I was like, it's good. So this is why I don't do this with like 15 year olds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I should probably just go home. Yeah. It all worked out in the end. You and know? At the time, it's not even like, I, I don't want to say at all that I was in like, like a fucking established musician or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But I was clearly like much older than you guys yeah. and had done this for a bit. You've had a little bit of experience playing like metal. And, and metal, this right? fucking kid just starts shooting his mouth off to me. Yeah, bro. Show then, up on time and I'm clearly busy playing a video game. It was cool too because we go in the next room and I'm like, okay, so we're going to jam. And you go, so... Uh, Josh's mom doesn't actually really want much noise, so we can't really practice. Oh, yeah, we did, like, an unplugged, like, I taught you everything (laughs) on guitar, yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, I'm sitting here playing a bass that's not mine. Yeah. In a basement with no sound. And I'm not even a bassist. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, it was a very, like, what am I doing with my (laughs) moment? Like, is this where you start going downhill? But no, that worked out, bro. We we ended up playing, like... We played a lot of shows, a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. We made, we did a couple EPs, because we did one EP before you were in the band, didn't mm-hmm. we? So, you wrote it. I ended up, uh, I tracked bass for that Everything is Fine EP yeah. in your basement with, I think, like, Sonar or something. Yeah, it was Sonar You producer. recorded it. And it was bad, man. And it took, like, 20 minutes, and then yeah. I left. Was, yeah. For sure. I remember that. Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing back yeah. then, bro. No, I uh, I greatly value our time in False Hope. Like, Me that too. was a if, super fun time in my life. Dude, and if it wasn't for that, like, there's no way North of 64 would be happening. You no. Know? I don't know what we'd be doing musically if it wasn't for that. No, because, like, so we met because of, like, my first band, right? But we became, like, friends during this, yeah. right? Like, yeah, totally. We, like, grew up together doing this, yeah. right? And as much of a pain in the ass sometimes it was, but, like, all that time on the road... And all those like weekends playing these tired. I know I pissed you off a lot, man. That's cool. So yeah, whenever we would, um, whenever we would, well, whenever I would book shows, (laughs) I would essentially reach out to any promoters like anywhere in Ontario and just try and get on any show. And anytime a promoter would get back, I just wouldn't say no. So we would be playing with nobodies, like no bands anyone's ever heard of. Not that we were somebody, but we'd be playing for like bands that no one's heard of. Opening spots. Opening spot at like 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night in Hamilton, Ontario. (laughs) And I tell Darren about it. He's like, dude, like we can't make it work. And I'm like, well, we already told the promoter like we need to play. And he's like, hey, like I guess we're doing it. The best part about it was A, you wouldn't ever ask for any money. No. B, you were all a kid, so I had to drive, and yeah. you couldn't give me gas money because you're in high school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And C, half the time they'd be on work nights where I'd either have to leave work early or miss work the next day, <laughs> costing me then more money. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good times, though. Now, right? all that being said, if I had to go back and whatever, I probably would not change anything. No. Yeah, I feel that, man. Because, like, it's, at the time, it's whatever, but, like, looking back now, it was, like, a very good time in my life. And mm-hmm. even. Even the bad shows were always fun. Like, yeah, I agree. I remember we played the Rock Pile. It was like a Sunday night. To, to the kids' parents <laughs> who played before us. And the sound guy goes, I've actually seen less people here. Yeah. So don't feel too bad. <laughs> and it's like, is that supposed to make us feel better? It kind of did. It didn't. My, um, 
my now wife was there at the time, and I yeah. feel like I impressed the shit out of her that night. Did you? Well, I don't think we'd be married if it wasn't for that rock pile show. And we had a fun set because of that, too. For sure. I remember, like, we just did, like, we played some bullshit covers. <laughs> like, we just had fun with it. But it was literally yeah. just a practice on a stage. No, and it let us... A to where we are here, and, like, it just got us, like, the gig experience we needed. Even just as musicians, just, like, it's a different element playing live than it is just, like, playing in your basement or playing in, like, just random jams with other bands and 100%. shit, right? And it helps us kind of shape you... And kind of to learn the mistakes of what not to do going forward. Totally. Right? Yeah. It's a, it's a good learning curve doing that. And like, it's something I try to preach to a lot of, if anyone who will listen anyways, like younger bands, is that even though at the beginning you might not be worth much, and I do understand like the grind of like, get your name out there, play shows or whatever, you still do have a value. Yeah. And I don't think that A, anyone should ever play for free. Yeah. Like, even if it's fucking 20 bucks, that 20 bucks signifies that you came and did a job. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I fully agree. And before, I mean, it took me a while to get there, but I'm fully understanding. Because during False Hope, I was just young and I just wanted to play shows and just yeah. get False Hope's name out there. But and a I'm, lot of people, like, fall into that and I get it. Like, when I was, yeah. dude, my very first band, we were playing these shows where we were literally paying promoters. To let yeah. us play because we want to play silly, shows man. so bad, yeah. right? You but, get tricked into a system, and those promoters like feed off of those young yeah. artists that do it's that. It's a terrible you know? system. It's upsetting that that, that shit happens. But yeah. no, I, I I agree with you. Like you, you have to understand the value of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Any kind of music you're making, you're putting time into doing this. No, even if it's your first show ever, mm-hmm. ask the promoter. Just say like, hey, what's yeah. like, a, what's the guarantee for this? A cut of the door. Even fucking take this a small take a cut of the door up to twenty dollars even just like, get money. You I know? I never cared about making money, and I still I don't care about making money at these shows. I at least don't want to lose money. At least lose just a lot. Get into money, the habit you know? of understanding that you are what you're doing is worth something. It's not yeah. just you shouldn't be. No one should be playing the music that they've worked hours and days on and weeks on yeah. for free. Like you should make. It's the principle of the matter. Yeah. I mean, we learned that too with um, when we did our first Fat Pratt show. We Mm -hmm. made sure that we were compensated for that, you know? And it's not that, like, it's not a superstar. It's no superstar shit at all. No. It's literally just understanding that you're putting work into something and you... So, the best way to put it, if a promoter reaches out to you to put you on a bill, they need you to they need you to be able to bring people into the door. They booked you for a reason. You should be seeing money before that promoter sees money. Even if it's $20, say the show flops, even if it breaks even, you should get something out of it. Mm-hmm. You know? When I used to throw shows, my one rule is that I paid the venue and I paid the band before I ever took a dime mm-hmm. from it. And again, even it's not like we're saying all these opening bands should come in and fucking ask for like, oh, I want fucking two hundred dollars, even though you're not going to draw anything, right? No. But it's it's the like sign of respect from the promoter that you came out and did a job and are being compensated for it. Essentially, just make sure you're not playing shows for shady people. Make yeah. sure it's worth it for you, right? Because you know? we've never re- like you would kind of suss out the good promoters from the bad and the ones who would take care of their bands. Yeah. And we ended up playing a lot of repeat shows. Like I wish he was still doing it, but Josh Gottlieb. Oh, shadow Josh Gottlieb. The dude man. was the fucking best. He was like the king right. of new market shows. And even back like in our hardcore dates, like uh, Paul Paget was 
great. Yeah, and should have pulled Paget, man. He had the scene fucking really he was, going for he was a like time. Doing the metal shows, man. Him and yeah. um, Josh Gottlieb were like yeah. they were the metal shows in Newmarket. And I owe a lot to Paul too because again, when we uh, especially when we started like these scars and shit, there weren't really anybody doing this. Yeah. And between him and obviously Max at the jam spot, yeah, they gave us like a spot to like an outlet. They gave us a spot to play and one hundred percent, man. And they always took care of us, and I've always appreciated that. And it's led us to to doing this. Yeah, no, it's cool now, having those right? promoters. But yeah, let's let's move forward with that. So where false hope? It never. Um, we talked about this in the last podcast with Brett too, because yeah. Brett, of course, was the basis in false hope. But false hope never broke up. We just. We got really busy. Darren, Brett, and Devin were working full-time. I was in college in Mississauga, so we were, like, apart for a bit. It was hard to find time to jam. We'd have the mm -hmm. odd jam, but then we wouldn't even have time to play shows because I'd have exams on the weekend. The boys retired from work and doing their thing on the weekend. And even we did a couple of runs while you were out in Mississauga, but there was no prep for it. It'd just be like, we'd be driving to the show and put the... Uh, the EP on We'd literally listen to yeah. the EP. It's like, you remember the words? It's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, and I would forget the words every time. <laughs> the the yeah. two shows that we played for sure were at both of my houses in Mississauga. That was sick as fuck. <laughs> Those were so like fun. some gnarly shows. Those were some of my favorite shows yeah. that we've ever played. Yeah, actually. Parkside out there. We had the Donnie Brooks out there. Yeah, the one show, I don't remember which one, but one of them, we packed the house. Yeah. And that was nutty. Purgatory destroyed your place a couple of times. Yeah, that was brutal. Some missing security yeah. deposits there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> but no, man, that was those were good times. But yeah, so then false hope, we never really um, it just fizzled out. Like it just kind of it fizzled ended. out. Yeah, and right now, I mean, we're just um, we just started kind of re-recording some false hope stuff too with Brett. Yeah. The three of us are kind of, I mean, we're not planning on like playing shows or touring with it. We just want to make some music. If we release it, sick. If we don't, we're just having fun making some false hope hardcore I'd music. I'd like to release. I would love to that release it too. Cool. It's just yeah. uh, you'll, you'll you guys will probably hear that at some point. I think that false hope EP is going to come out, but, uh, but yeah. So false hope kind of fizzles, and then there's like there's a bit of a lull, right? Mm -hmm. Like so, say that's around like 2017 ish. There's goes about a year where like you're just kind of finishing up with school. You're kind of getting into work. So, mind you, while that's happening, I'm surrounded. So I went to Metalworks. Um, for for school so learn music production and, and live audio and stuff like that and while i'm there i'm surrounded by anyone who's coming in and out of my house the people i'm living with are all for the most part making hip-hop beats and they have like their friends coming over that are rappers so i start kind of indulging in that and like f kind of getting my foot in the door and like making horrendous terrible hip-hop beats because even that was like a big jump for you though because as a kid like even especially when you were younger you were very much like like we all were it's like hardcore is everything yeah and totally. fuck this hip-hop shit and you think that's gonna be it for yeah. life man like, and hip-hop's not music yeah it's all computerized what a trash shit. mindset man i know what it's a so trash like ignorant. so closed-minded so that's why when i heard you were starting to actually like make beats and stuff i was stoked I was like, it's yeah, cool. It's, like, you're, like, yeah. branching out a little bit. And it right? felt that way, too. Like, it, it genuinely did feel like growth. And I, I was feeling that it was, um, it was, like, honestly, it was, not to be cliche, but it was a very weird time in my life. A lot was going on. There was a lot of huge changes I was dealing with at the time. Um, and then you fast forward a little bit. I come out of college. And I think I started working already. I definitely started working already. And then I started... For a while before I released anything, I was recording myself, kind of singing, kind of rapping, mm. and 
all of our friends would always joke, like calling me Fat Pratt, because there was a point where I was overweight, and <laughs> they would like fucking horrible genuinely people. call me Fat Pratt. Yeah, with an F. With an F. Yeah. And then, but then I lost weight, and then it became ironically Fat Pratt with a PH. I think it was more like a, like a Fat Amy thing, where yeah. you just said it so we couldn't anymore. Like you just like owned it. Yeah, like you, well, you kind of have to be like, fuck, yeah. I'll make fun of myself before they make fun of me and hurt my Exactly. Face, you know, yeah, yeah. so you get ahead of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so anyways, so I ended up rolling with the name Fat Pratt, which I really didn't like, but it was just a thing for my friends. And when I was making music at that time, it was just kind of for myself and for um, just my friends were the ones who were fucking with it and supporting mm. me. So Fat Pratt is what I rolled with. And I started doing that on my own um, for a few singles for about it, almost a year, like not quite, maybe like eight months I did it by myself. Mm-hmm. And then Dar- Darren and I, we started talking during a Christmas party that we have every year, the Goon Christmas Party mm-hmm. in 20 whenever, it doesn't matter. And 2018, Goon Christmas, we started talking. Yeah. And sure. saying like, yo, how cool would it be to kind of fuse like guitar and what I'm doing with like hip hop beats and do like this yeah. Mac, like so Mac Miller just dropped um, Small Worlds. Yeah. And we're like, yo, like, what if we did, like, this Mac Miller, John Mayer type thing, but, like, do, like, a whole EP out of it? So we talk about doing that, and then we take the next six months to write and produce Homebound. Yeah, that was the start of all this. Like, I was, um, so Falso Bend and I briefly joined, I'll give him a shout out, Oakrest. Shout out, Hello, Oakrest. I was in there for a little bit. It just, it did, it just kind of didn't work out. And then I'm just kind of, uh, I'm on, like, an island where I'm, like, I'm, I still want to play guitar. I still want to do this, but I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of go dive in on... John Mayer is one of my, like, biggest idols. So I start kind of learning a bit more of his catalog. I start posting a couple of videos. And that's when you and I started talking about, like, um, the style I've been playing lately, right? Yeah. And it's like you said. He just released that song with Mac. And we're like, okay, well, how fucking... How perfect is this? It was, like, perfect timing for us to kind of open that conversation. And we didn't even know, like, it was going to turn into Homebound. Like, I know we we were just going to get together and make music and then just... We even set the time. Who knows if we'll release it. It's kind of like what we're doing with False Hope now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's like, let's just write and then see. And we ended up writing the very first night, Find My Way. Dude, our first session, we did that full song... That's what it ended up it ended up making on a homebound. And that's kinda of when we we're like, okay, like we should probably keep doing this. Well, yeah, it was really right. after the first night where we, we wrote and recorded we fully demoed Find My Way. And then we're like, dude, like, why don't we just do this? And let's just do an EP and make it happen. We set a goal and we crushed that goal. I think when we knew we had something, it was like a month or two later when we came up with Come Down. Yeah. We were like, okay, this is for sure something. Like Come Down should, really, really felt like something. Like we should for we should for sure not scrap this idea. No, it felt like, like something like it just because like how organically and naturally it all came together, it felt like yeah. we needed to fucking do something with that. And then you fast forward homebound was sick. Um we had like the the whole process of it was sick, like coming to yeah. getting together and writing and recording that, releasing it, and it was my first time I've released um an EP, I think for you too, outside of like pop punk or hip hop, or out of pop punk or hardcore. I even say hardcore, like even my first bands, like we we released fucking like demos on MySpace. Yeah. But it was never really like, I have like this album that I can put out. And it was never on streaming service either, because when I was coming Bandcamp. Out, I didn't <laughs> or have Facebook, that. the Facebook yeah, player. Facebook player and MySpace, yeah. I didn't even have that. Or um, 
So before TuneCore is the distribution service it is, TuneCore used to be like a streaming hub. Yeah. Kind of like Bandcamp, mm-hmm. where they would, again, charge quite a lot of money. Yeah, I remember that. It's just like a platform, right? Yeah. So I never had this, like... Uh, you, like, integrate it onto your Facebook uh, yeah, page. Yeah, straight yeah, up. I remember that. So, yeah, this was my first real, like, we're going to release this album. It's going to be everywhere that everyone can listen to it. It sounds... So cool, man. As, like, professional as we could make it in a bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. fuck, that. That was fully written and recorded in and mixed in my bedroom. Yeah. Technology is amazing. Technology is crazy. <laughs> and there's a lot I would change on that in hindsight. But with that being said, for that being our first project, I am... Very proud of that, and it's almost one of those things. Where, like I wouldn't want to change a thing yeah. because of like how it all came together. You and it sounds I mean? cliche too, but like it brought us to now. Yeah, where yeah, now you fast forward over a year, year and a half, later, almost almost a year and a half later, and we have we set a goal. So that's when we decided to rebrand. So after we did that EP, I didn't release anything under Fat Proud after that, and then everything just started feeling as we got closer to the end of the year. So we released Homebound in July. As we get closer to the end of 2019, it's Darren and I are jamming and we get our first show under Fat Pratt in August. So technically I get my first show in August and then it's like, dude, like it doesn't feel right playing this without Darren. Like Darren and I worked on this project. This was our thing. Mm -hmm. So we play the show in August. It was a lot of fun. I think we played a couple more shows like Jam Spot and wherever else. And then Soul Fest, which I miss fucking Soul Fest was so sick. A packed basement in Stouffville, Ontario. Soul Fest fucking rules. Soul Fest. I hope when this is all over in like ten years we can do Soul Fest again. Dude, straight up this pandemic's gotta go. No, Soul Fest was sick. So yeah, we we play some shows and whatever and then Darren and I, while we're jamming and like playing I think we were practicing for Soul Fest actually in December. Yeah. And we talked and like I kind of talked to him in the parking lot before we like kind of packed up to go home and I was like, dude, like we like I'm thinking of rebranding and we should just rebrand as a duo because it only made sense. Like there's no point of you and I carrying on and doing like another EP together. Yeah. And then she's like, oh yo, what's up guys? I'm Fat Pratt. <laughs> this is my music. So, you know what like, I mean? It does sound worse than it is too because even like at no point of homebound did I feel this was just like. Your thing that you worked on that I'm not getting any credit for. Yeah, it wasn't like that. It was always like a very collaborative thing. Yeah, for but sure. uh, even our, shortly after Homebound, you talked about rebranding, but before you even talked about it as a duo, you were like, "So Post Malone got his name from a hip hop name generator." Yeah, I remember. So we sat on my couch. Yeah, for like an hour and a half. <laughs> it was some funny shit. It was too. the fucking best. Well, it's funny because I was at a point where it was more so just I didn't want to be known as Fat Pratt. You know, it's just like, it's such a silly name. And even from my perspective, I was like, because even after Homebound, I didn't just want to be like, so this is like our thing now, right? Like we're like doing this together. Yeah, I know. You don't want to like kick that door down in case like, I'm like, no, it was just like a project I wanted to do. No, yeah, I thought maybe even just like, so we're going to do Homebound and then Homebound is Homebound. Yeah. And then you're going to keep going doing your shit and I'm going to do my shit. Yeah. Right? So then when you brought that up, rebranding out a duo, I was like, okay, well, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> like. No, and it's it's cool. Yeah, we came up with the, the name North of 64, and fucking, here we are, man. We wrote, yeah. produced, recorded, mixed, mastered, yeah. fucking 12 songs from my bedroom, from Darren's bedroom, through Zoom. <laughs> it's been... Yeah, uh, it's been it's, a crazy fucking year. It's been a hell of a run. But yeah, that's, that's where we are now. That's... um. Yeah. That's what brought us here. That's what brought us here. Hopefully most you find you, some... Like most of you who uh, know us, you probably know and were experienced even a lot of this with yeah. us. And thank you for experiencing that with us. I'm glad yeah. that we could experience it with our friends, man. We have such a good yeah. friend group. We gave you shit earlier, but thank you, Mitch. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shout out, Mitch, bro. I know. Love Mitch. Gotta get even... Mitch on the podcast just to chat. 
False Hope, like, it wouldn't have happened without Mitch. Oh, straight up. Pretty much any um, musical yeah. endeavor I had when I was in, like, grade 9 or 10 would not have happened without Mitch. Like, Mitch and I no. were, like, side by side for all that shit. And Mitch, if you've made it this far, you'll get rewarded. I will say this on record one time and one time only. Be careful. Uh, yeah. Do you want to do it? He's not listening at this point. Should we cut it? <laughs> <laughs> Should we end the podcast? <laughs> Mitch wrote rule book. Okay, now you're lying. Now you're just lying. If you made it this far, bro. And in case I don't see you, you're gonna have to do that reveal right <laughs> 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 okay, <good> there. <laughs>